standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm just here now to explain that this week we did things a little bit differently because instead of being in a studio, we recorded a live show at the London Podcast Festival. Hooray! Where we had some brilliant guests, journalist and author of Slaying Your Lane, Yomi Adegaki, and disability rights activist and very funny comedian, Tanya Lee Davis. So that's what's coming up now. Just a little reminder, we do shows at King's Place all the time. Oh, hang on, Peggy's interrupting. Are you finished? Okay, great. We do shows at King's Place all the time. And if you want to find out more, our next one's on October the 4th. And you should visit our website, standardissuepodcast.com. Until next week. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. Oh, bless you. You did not let me down. Thanks very much. So, yeah, we've done a slightly different intro. We usually intro people off stage, but instead, I think we should just kick into our usual intros, which is where we say our name, what we do, and a random fact about ourselves. I'm going to start with Hannah, and then, Hannah, if you took it to Tanya Lee. Okay, um, I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I am a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast, and a oh, fun fact... Shit, I didn't think of one. Okay, I was on a, on a train on the way here, and there's a family sitting at the table opposite me, like a whole family of people who thought that tunnels were called tubes. <laughs> and the mum said it first, and I thought, oh, perhaps they're just humouring her. And then they all started saying, oh, yeah, we went through a tube once. And I was like, oh, I should tell them. But it just seems really weird if I just went over and went, hey, all you people are actually adults. <laughs> they're not called tubes. They're called tunnels. Where have you been, you... Morons. They've been <laughs> clearly just been stuck in a tube somewhere. Yeah. What do you call them in Canada? Tanya I was going to say, we probably call them tubes in Canada. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Oh, hello, I'm Tanya Lee Davis, uh, stand up comedian, uh, activist, scooter girl campaign, travel all around the world doing stand up comedy and getting caught on trains. <laughs> Yay. Can you give us a random fact about yourself that people might not have heard before? Good noise. <laughs> I have difficulty shaving the back of my legs. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Amen. Jen? Oh, right, okay. Uh, I'm Jen Offord. I am a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team. And I should have two birthday cakes today because it's my birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Why don't I have two? Because my oven is fucked, yeah. basically. And I put it in there and the bottom part was, I mean, I believe the word soggy bottom is a problem with cakes, but it was basically still liquid, and the top half was just burnt to fuck, so yeah. Yeah. I, did, I didn't even soup. sit and eat it with my hands, you know, just because no one was watching, I could just throw it in the bin, sorry Jen. And I did make Jen a cake, and just as I was leaving the house and putting it in the tin, I dropped it <laughs> and I nearly cried and I was like, I can either fix this or fix this, so uh, the cake got sort of fixed, it still smells delicious. Still looks better than mine it still feel, looks better than biscuit soup. I feel very, very blessed that two people tried to make me a birthday cake. One succeeded, obviously, and it looks delicious. Despite Hasht- hashtag humble. Hashtag humble. <laughs> <laughs> Yomi, could you introduce yourself, please? Um, my name's Yomi Adegake. I'm a journalist and um, co-author of a book called Slaying Your Name. And awesome. my random fact... I literally had to like Google it to make sure it was correct, even though it's about me. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my god, get the celebrity. <laughs> here. Oh my god. Uh, I just Hashtag need to talk my facts about myself <laughs> on me. the internet. It's actually about my name, but um, it's that my name, Yomi, in Yoruba means God saved me, and in Japanese, the name Yomi means underworld. So it's kind of like directly in opposition and a perfect kind of composition of me as a person. I was yeah. going to say, which do you relate to? Both. Yeah? There we go. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Um, I've got to be careful what I'm saying when she's got <laughs> Satan and God on her side. Um, I'm Mickey Noonan. I am a core of the Standard Issue podcast team. And I'm going to caveat this. This isn't my fact, but I am going to caveat with the fact that I love my fiancé very, very much. But the other day, we had someone around who'd come for their tea. We made them some tea. It was lovely. And he bought a cheesecake that said, it serves six. And he started to put it into six. <laughs> I'm like, mate, that barely serves three. What the fuck is going on? So the wedding's off. Um, Sad but true. Sorry. Fucking psychopath. (laughs) Right? He seems so nice. 
We're going to do things a little bit differently today than our usual gig cast in that we're going to do a bit of news stuff because who doesn't want to watch the news right now, guys? (laughs) So it's just 10 minutes of us crying and screaming. Bush Telegraph. So, welcome to the Bush Telegraph, where we burst out of the patriarchy's manacles like the Incredible Hulk. On that note, Hannah... Oh yes, never have the words, be careful what you wish for, seem more appropriate than for our, and I'm sorry to remind you of this, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. (laughs) Yes, the man who declared that as a child his one wish was to be the king of the world, finally stood, arms outstretched on the front of the good ship United Kingdom. Yeah, that didn't really pan out for Jack either, did it? Although, to be fair, he, he lasted a good, more than a good few hours before he was clinging to a bit of wood in freezing water. <laughs> yep, it's been a busy week for the PM, who caused what can only be described as absolute scenes in Parliament by closing it on Monday night. Also on Monday, the Duke of Wellington resigned the Tory whip, joining Winston Churchill's grandson in an increasingly large group labelled former Tories. That's the actual Duke of Wellington, by the way. I mean, I'm not keen on the phrase, the wrong side of history, but in this instance, it seems to be literally true. Johnson got accused of lying by the Scottish courts on Tuesday, lying to the Queen, no less. Spent much of the rest of the week wandering the north while people shouted, and I paraphrase, but only slightly, jog on, nobber, at him. Oh, I miss the north. I'd totally be telling him to jog on, and nobber would be way too polite. (laughs) He basically had an expression that said, hang on, this isn't the great homogenous racist mass of downtrodden masculinity that BBC Vox Pops had led me to believe was the north of Britain. He wasn't in Wakefield then. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a Supreme Court case coming up on Tuesday. I'm not really going to go into it because... I've actually done a lot of reading on this, and the answer is nobody knows what the fuck is going to happen. Number two, this podcast doesn't come out till Wednesday, so whatever I say, it's not going to be topical. And number three, I can't bear that if I said anything positive, and then it turned really bad, that what the last positive thing I said would be recorded for posterity, and I would have to listen to it again. What I did want to talk about was that in weeks like this, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm also like, obsessed with history my whole life. You know, I'm obviously worried about Brexit. I've got friends and family who might lose their jobs. I've got friends and family who might lose their medication. Or, you know, just maybe have to try and catch it from an army helicopter, which isn't the best <laughs> way to pick up your prescription. But I do feel, like, and I can't help it, that as someone who has always been obsessed by history, I do genuinely feel like I'm living through it. And it's kind of weirdly thrilling. I wondered if that... You're a journalist, Yomi. Do you get that? Um, I don't get that because rather embarrassingly like I knew this was coming (laughs) um in terms of this topic but I was sort of saying earlier that I have so actively and intentionally avoided it (laughs) that we probably yeah we probably are as always but you know generally living through this massive sort of seismic change um and this massive historical moment but I'm kind of have decided to pay more attention to Well, Love Island's gone now, so essentially, (laughs) you know, the follow-up show, Singletown, which nobody nobody else watches except me to make sure that I don't have to concentrate on Brexit. I know that sounds like like I'm in a terribly privileged position in in order to be able to sort of do so, but it's not because I can. It's more because I feel like I have no choice. Otherwise, I would just be, as you said, crying and screaming into infinity. Yummy, how do you feel Boris Johnson would have done on Love Island? Um, very well, and that's what pisses me off, to be honest. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, well, he's Prime Minister, and it's like, that makes absolutely no sense. So he'd have probably won it. That's the thing, on his own. And he'd probably done the steel (laughs) thing, where instead of splitting the 50k, he'd have run off with all the money himself. He'd have coupled up with himself. Exactly. And won, because I don't understand anything anymore. I've met him. Boris Johnson. And I'm not pregnant. Um, (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Probably have to cut that. Uh, (laughs) Why are you pregnant? Otherwise it can stay in. (laughs) No, no, no. This was quite a long time ago as well. I've met him and uh, it was when I was doing my Olympics thing where I tried every Olympic sport and they were doing some... um, some, It was Ride London, I think, and they were doing a press conference and they're like, can you come along and like tell everyone you love the Olympics? And uh, so they were like, Boris, this is Jen. She's tried every Olympic sport. And he went, even wrestling. Oh, I'm not even joking. God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what he wow. says. Wow. I liked him until then. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Tanya Lee, you said something really interesting, actually, when we were chatting about the stories we are going to talk about beforehand. 
And Tanya Lee used a certain phrase that made me laugh and also do a little cry, which was... Well, I mean, I'm born and raised in Canada. I'm also American, and I've been working in the UK for 16 years and living here for three. And when the topic was like, we're going to talk about Brexit, I'm like, well, I don't have a dog in this fight. And it is a fight. (laughs) It's an absolute shit show. Um, And, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's looking great in America right now. (laughs) Well, right now. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's it's. I don't know. We need to start from scratch. <laughs> like just, we need to get a hold of ourselves. Yes, get a grip, everybody. Yeah. But from an outsider's point of view, looking in and and kind of like you say, not having. You could have gone for skin in the game, horse in the race, but dog in the fight. Yeah. Um, does it look like we've gone mental? Well, it just, I mean, yeah, nobody seems to know what anybody else is doing. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, you, you had a vote. I, I realize it wasn't a vote that any, a lot of people wanted, but it's called a democracy for a reason. If you didn't vote, you're a dumbass for not getting off your couch. So that's the result. I mean, if you look at it that way, as far as democracy goes, I mean, it is what it is. And now you got to fix it. Or do whatever it takes to get to the next level. How, how do you think that's going for us? Yeah. Not so well. Not so well. Yeah. Good luck. I'm going to move us on to the world of women, because I'm sure you're wondering, how's it going? How's it going in the world? Well, absolutely splendid news. It's all fixed. That's right. It's, it's all done. It's great. Everything is sorted. Honestly, if anything, it's just too womeny out there right now, guys. Too womeny. You can't move for women. Getting their rights... And then some, the cheeky scamps. It does mean that there have been noises from certain sectors of the white male media that maybe, just maybe, women are getting too good a deal, having too much influence on society. If you take the recent Ferrari over, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I am, kids' TV character Fireman Sam, yeah, he's been dropped as Lincolnshire Fire and Rescue's mascot for not seeming inclusive enough to girls who might want to join the service. I mean, it's one, one fire service, and we've chatted to a brilliant firefighter called Sabrina Cohen-Hartman, and she has said several times, it should be firefighter, Sam, and then it'd all be fine. But first to lose his shit was sentient diarrhea puddle, Piers Morgan, <laughs> um, who decreed the equivalent was that Dora the Explorer, yep, another TV kid's character, the message there was that boys can't do adventures. And as to be expected from Piers, who's never allowed facts to get in the way of anything he he basically ignored that Dora's male cousin Diego has his own TV series because that didn't fit in his main point of which if you were wondering was women fuck him Jen is a big fan of this bit of the story because bizarrely TV chef James Martin exactly he chipped in that it was all so ridiculous he was now identifying as an otter <laughs> That was his response to the whole Fireman Sam thing. He's identifying as an otter. On Twitter, he said, In a last stand to this outrageous madness, I now wish to be known as an otter. I, like other otters, and when you get bored of this crap in the world, join me underwater with the other otters. Needless to say, the gay community rightly had a field day, pointing out that Martin is, if anything, a bear. (laughs) Jen, you've got some thoughts. You were, yeah. you were impressed I by Otter what he's going to do underwater, to be honest. Drown, yeah. hopefully. I mean, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, first of all, he, so he, he started that tweet, right, that's it, Fireman Sam is the last straw. So imagine Fireman Sam being the last straw under literally any circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> and have a word with yourself. Um, but aside from that... Do otters live underwater? I'm not sure they do. They don't. They're breathe. not got gills. I think they don't breathe underwater. Silly. I do know there is an otter expert in the audience today. My friend Catherine. Uh, she might have the answer. But... Thanks, Catherine. Uh, for the listeners, Catherine has confirmed they most certainly do not live underwater. Um, they do eat their dinner off their fronts, which I also do. So I, I feel quite bonded with. Otters, Are you identifying as an otter? I am. Yeah. They also have a, like and they I they have an otter's pocket and that is where the <laughs> phrase where is an otter's pocket comes from. You are welcome. Um, and in their little furry pocket they keep a stone yeah. which they use to break into food. And I do that. It's a pen knife. Similar. You use a pen knife to break into food. If I need to, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, do you not have a tin opener? 
When's um, your birthday? <laughs> I saw that for you. Mate. Oh, I'm excited. You get a tin owner. Thanks. There was a little bit of sad news in women's news this week as well. And actually, I saw that you'd written a, an excellent article on this, Yomi, in that Marie Claire has closed its publication doors in the UK as a print magazine after 31 years. Now, you might know that Standard Issue has a slightly tricky relationship with women's magazines because, mm. you know, we're not, we don't really want to tell you who to be, what to wear, what to do, what lipstick, and why you're too fat for everything. Um, Because there were already loads of women's magazines doing that. But recently, it had started to get, very, very slowly, a bit more diverse in the representation, hadn't it? Yeah, and just slightly um, less shit, generally. And then, of course, that is when, you know, things get cancelled. And, you know, I had all these sort of people messaging me, being like, well, it's because they've become too woke that, you know, that's why they've been cancelled, essentially, as if that hasn't happened to NME, Shortlist, and several other sort of, you know, publications that basically only white men read. So, ESPN. Um, Yeah, so it's been a bit of a weird one, because, you know, I'm not here to say that I'm a massive fan of women's own, but I do think that it is a shame that when things were sort of getting better, of course, is when the kind of guillotines come down, unfortunately. Sorry to be um, like a massive killjoy but it does make me actually very sad because <laughs> I'm going to be out of a job Can I ask? I mean you're, you're one of those young people um, <laughs> Do you actually buy magazines? No, so I'm definitely yeah. part of the problem I mean no, I, I kind of I mean like I probably do buy like maybe three magazines per year and if I'm being completely honest it tends to be because I've written something in it and I want to show my mum like look journalism is a viable career choice like generally <laughs> but I do think that you know with all the kind of like I mean news is so it's just so free at the moment it costs nothing so it's really, and you know most websites oh sorry <laughs> most websites that do tend to sort of have um paywalls um, I know the Telegraph has one, and so does I think the Times. But like and most women, yeah, and the Sun exactly. These aren't necessarily okay. publications that me and my young millennial yeah. ilk are gonna sort of buy from. So I think yeah, it's just um, we're in a weird space where you do get most of it for free. So it is hard to kind of in, like push yourself when you're broke generally um, and have no prospects in terms of owning a house to then <laughs> like put your money towards you know like. Um, some news that's going to be dated a week later. Oh, yeah, I definitely get it. I mean, it's hard as well, it though, because obviously, you know, young people need to be paid and they get paid better to write when people buy the stuff that they exactly. write. So it's kind of a vicious circle. Absolutely that. I will say that if you uh, want to get on through any paywalls, um, if you um, just... I mean, it's Rupert Murdoch, so, yes. you know, I, I don't want to give him my money. Um, if you just use a different browser... You get you get like a, to, to, to open a different account. It, it gets confused yeah. about how many free articles you've read, and it lets you read more of them. Top tip there: if you just gag in, just gag in to get the times down your eyeballs. I'd like to ask the same question to Tanya Lee. Actually, do you, do you buy magazines? Have you ever bought magazines? Um, when I was younger, I loved you know I just looked at fashion magazine. I mean, I could never wear the clothes that the girls wore, the shoes and stuff. But I but I loved the perfume samples. Oh yeah, <laughs> rip that stuff and just peel it all over myself and like roll around. On the magazine that was my favorite part <laughs> you, your very own sensible ink print and perfume Ooh. Sexy. even when you found one in a doctor's surgery yeah. <laughs> came out with a little extra i guess you you didn't ever see yourself in those magazines no though. no no absolutely not i mean uh actually as uh Sinead burke is a little person she's on the cover of uk vogue i think yeah, this yeah. this month which is huge for my community mm-hmm. uh she i think was in a fashion show in in london uh in london or in you know milan or whatever so you know uh there's more representation on it. I said there's been a lot more women of colour on the, the front covers than ever, ever before. Yeah, I think they were trying to make up for, like, you know, 50 or, like, 100 years of, like, us just being invisibilised. And then it was, like, September, like, every single, like, September issue had a black woman on the front. And we're kind of like, you know what? I mean, it's very overdue, but, I mean, we're definitely not complaining. And then it's like, surprise, but, you know, we're going to end on a high and now it's gone. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just been a massive shame. Um, I don't know. I feel like... The I guess the change that's being implemented didn't necessarily feel as kind of gimmicky, which was another thing that was kind of important. Mm. They didn't feel like, you know, let's just shove 15 black women 
on a front cover and then next week it's going to be like back to like a kind of whitewash it did yeah, feel you had a bit time. more yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like yeah september's your month you know but yeah i think it did feel a little bit more sort of integrated and a little bit more like something was actually changing and yeah of course that's when it, the plugs pulled although there was uh, a backlash in and i'm guessing it was probably the times or the telegraph oh, about the else? number of people of colour that Meghan Markle had chosen to put on the front cover of a magazine because it's just not fair for white people. (laughs) When will we get a roll of the dice, Hannah? (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't even know what to say to that because I'm just like, it was so ludicrous. But, yeah... Um, somebody commissioned it, somebody wrote it, somebody, somebody fucking printed it. it. I mean, it's several insane. people read it and agreed. Yeah. And yeah, this is why I have my Twitter notifications all set to this thing that means I cannot see <laughs> the notifications from anybody I don't follow because of bullshit like that. But yeah, um, that was just insane. Oh, let's move on to an issue where women are definitely treated equally to men, and that is sport. Jen, <laughs> I believe you've got some great news for us. About time. Um, so uh, last week, Everton Football Club announced that they were going to drop women from the name of its women's team. So basically, ungender, is that? Mm. De-gender? De-gender. Yeah, degender. Degender. I don't know. Let's, let's roll with it. Um, and so, basically, the point being that football's football, and we don't need to separate it out because we can all enjoy any football. But um, just legs kicking a ball, in it? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, it literally is. Yeah. Yes. So now we are all just Everton. I'm, I'm not, um, and probably you're not because you're not monsters. But um, uh, uh, my mum is. Uh, my mum is. Did you just call my mum a monster. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> um, at least she's not Birmingham City, but more on that another time. Um, so she's at- here. She's behind this curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Just my mum. I watch. Why is the curtain moving? I don't know. I'm scared. Uh, so at the same time, the FA announced its first ever weekend women's football set to take place during the international break in November. So basically, when there's nothing better to do. <laughs> You know, the lads aren't playing. So um, there's a couple of things there. So, I mean, those are clearly completely at odds with one another. And, you know, I kind of like the cut of Everton's, of Everton's jib in that respect. But um, if the default is always man, which it is, us being all Everton, which we're not, apart from Mickey's mum, who's not a monster, um, what does that mean? Does that mean? Well, Caroline Crowder Paris was pointing this out on Twitter. What it means is when you hear the word Everton, you will automatically assume that it's the men's team mm-hmm. because that's how our brains work. And just to prove the point that it even happens to us, a couple of months ago I sent Mickey a, a text message that said, hey, I just met a Canadian mounted policeman. Um, no, he didn't. No. Ah, ah. Uh, no, I said, ah. I met a mountie, was what I said. And Mickey said, oh, was he nice? And I said, no, it was a woman. Oh, I see now, Hannah was much kinder to me in that story, because I actually said, was he handsome? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an arsehole. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the kind of man as default, I'm guessing, Yomi, Tanya Lee, you've had that like white, able-bodied male as default, and you have been othered all your lives, I'm going to guess. How has, how has that affected you? I'm going to start with Tanya Lee. I've always been an other. I've always been the, the one that sits in the, in the class photos. I'm always the one that has to line up first because I went from smallest to tallest. Oh, my God. Uh, but could you have ridden your scooter around the photo so you get in it like four times? Oh, that would have been technology. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> I think it's getting a little extreme. Like, I, I just think, uh, remember the, the movie A League of Their Own? That was a good movie. That was about, it's a true story. It was about women getting into uh, baseball. You know, they fought really hard to uh, to form a, a, a professional women's baseball league. And I think women fought for so long to get equal rights. And now we're at a point where all of a sudden it's like, I think we're losing it all. It's like, why can't we have a men's team and a woman's team and distinguish it? I'm, you know, I don't, I like being called a comedian. I don't necessarily need to be called a female comedian. I am a comedian. If I, you want to be a footballer, fine. But when it comes to distinguishing, you know, for the newspapers, like the, the men's or the women's, I don't think, I just don't think it's that big of an issue. It just doesn't have to be that big of a deal. You know me? I just completely agree. I mean, I think the idea of, 
you know, um, not just male being default, but white male and particularly being default is super interesting. So I remember, like, we're all kind of shaped by the same society and there's this kind of opinion that if you're black or othered in some way, you're immune to it, but you're not. You're, you're privy to the exact same sort of um, um, conditioning. Because I remember once... Um, I saw this picture on Twitter and it sort of was captioned ever since I think Cardi B had been like like mentioning in her music her dentist a lot and was sort of like yeah ever since Cardi B's been making mention of her dentist um, they've received so many more clients and I saw this picture of Cardi B with this um, beautiful like you know really classy black woman and I was sort of like oh okay these two look great where's her dentist like I was literally looking around like so where's the dentist in the picture and it was it's the beautiful, classy black woman next to her. But because in my mind, in the same way, scientist, doctor, you know, football play, anything is essentially a white man. I physically like, could not compute that the woman in front of me alongside Cardi B was her dentist. And I think if that's something that I've experienced as a black woman... I mean, I think that's pretty much something that lots of people kind of go through. It doesn't really matter that you're um, in that group yourself. You're so used to those over, like, you know, those prevalent messages that tell you that a dentist is a middle-class white man with, like, great teeth, as opposed to a middle-class black woman with great teeth, like, essentially. Yeah. I've got a point on that, but first of all, I just want to say I go to PH Dental in Peckham, and it is run entirely by women, and it's brilliant. And it's... My friend sort of sold it to me like that. She's like, you like these? And I'm like, this isn't going to make me like a dentist. There's nothing you can do. I've not been for 28 years. And she said, it's all women. And I was like, I still don't want to go. But like, it's amazing. You don't, you don't really notice once you're yeah. there. But I think you're right. We all do that thing of that just default. assuming that the default is a white man. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you heard like gospel singer, then it's like, oh, perhaps, you know, this black woman in the image is the person that we're talking about. But I think when it's just certain professions, it definitely, you know, and as I said, as a black woman, I definitely have looked at sort of certain headlines and been like, where is the, oh, it's the black woman there. That's like, you know, it's, it's a weird thing where I think we just kind of have been taught to see Maggie Adderin Pocock, who's like a space scientist, said that any time she tells anybody that she's a space scientist, they're like, is, is it the same space? that? <laughs> which space is this? Like, they're constantly confused. And she has to just be like, no, the exact same cosmos. Like, don't worry about me. Yeah. Well, what's that movie with the, the, the black women that it was the, the moon landing or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that should have been massive, Absolutely. you know, in mainstream. But that's the thing is they're trying to almost rewrite history now and they're trying to take away a lot of the stuff like you know things that were uh, women accomplished way yeah. back in the day women of color accomplished mm. back in the day you know it's just now we're kind of rewriting history and forget about Absolutely. that and let's try to start all over again which yeah. you know if you forget about your history then we don't know our way forwards hi hannah here just having a nice cup of tea and wanted to remind you that if you like what we do, you can help support us. You can do that by going to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue, where you can throw some readies at us to help us keep producing the kind of thing that you seem to enjoy listening to and also keep me in tea. Thank you. Lads, shall we move on from uh, the news? Yes. yes, please. Let's move on from the news because uh, no one wants to keep thinking about one Boris Johnson, two Boris Johnson wrestling, three Boris Johnson on Love Island. Oh, God. <laughs> so oh. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Hannah, do you have a question? I do. I read something the other day that suggested that... Um, I mean, I probably should have some facts and figures, but, hey, Daily Mail don't bother. So um, <laughs> it suggested that a survey said that the thing that when people first open their eyes they were asked the question what do you do what's the first thing you do in the morning uh, most people answered that they look at their phone oh, so I wondered what you guys did first thing in the morning Tanya Lee? so we have a really crappy bed and they've got a memory foam pad on it and I have a fat ass, so eventually the memory foam likes to lose its memory, so I'm stuck in a rut. So I bought another memory <laughs> foam pad. To spa- so now we got two memory foams. So I'm essentially stuck in a marshmallow with a dip in it. So when I'm lying on my side, when I first wake up, my immediately thing is, I'm stuck in a ditch, I'm stuck in a ditch. And because I have T-Rex arms and a fat ass, I can't flip myself over. So when I, my normal reaction is, i got to go, i got to flip over. So I'm usually yelling at my husband, Kevin, to flip me over. And then I go for my phone or my iPad, which is hanging on a thing to check the time. That's usually 
yeah, the, it's some sort of computer or gadget to check the time. Because if it's if it's before midday, fuck it, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> like no, 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 nope, daylight, nope, going back to bed. <laughs> I mean, I actually go for my phone first, but that's because I have to be woken by an alarm. I, I am not physically capable of waking up. It seems without something waking me up. I was telling Jen this story the other day. Point once, I once opened my front door, and a woman who works with uh, the man I sat next to at work was standing on my doorstep. And I was like, oh, shit, has something happened? And she was like, well, that's kind of what I'm here to find out. And I was like, I don't understand. Why Why is, like, the guy I sit next to his wife on my doorstep? And, and I was like, what? And she said, well, John's rung me. Everyone's really freaked out. It's half past two. You haven't turned up for work. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just woke up. And she was like, you really have just woken up. I mean, Charles the second hair and everything. And I had just gone through from, like, I don't know, midnight the night before, just 14 hours. So, yeah, I always go to the phone because I need to know, have I overslept? Shit, am I awake? But then I feed the cats, then I make a cup of tea. Hannah, Hannah has a, about every three months, I think it's about every three months, sleep, what she refers sleep. to as a mega sleep. Yeah. And, like, just says goodbye to two days. Yeah. <laughs> for sleeping. It sounds blissful. You're like, a, you're like, a, a, like 10% of a hedgehog. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the time I am like Margaret Thatcher, but the, not the bad part of Margaret Thatcher, which, to be fair, is about 97% of her. But as in, I operate on about four hours sleep, but then every couple of months it catches up with me and I have to disappear mm. for a day um, and sleep. Mega sleep. Yeah. yeah. Mega sleep. And she, uh, I mean, I tell you what, if a mega sleep has been thwarted for any particular reason, she's all of the bad of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Don't want to go near her. So not true. <laughs> uh, me? Yeah. me are you a go to your phone first thing in the morning person yes actually um i sort of reach out for it by sort of like default and then i start scrolling instagram and then immediately i'm like i've read about a million articles that say that if you do this you're like an incredibly bad <laughs> shallow person so then i spend the rest of the morning feeling really bad and sort of pretending to be really wholesome like I'll go and eat some Weetabix now. I'm above looking at my mobile. <laughs> You've already done it. So, yeah, I sort of, like, maybe have a quick sort of 10-minute binge. like On, on what? On, on, Twitter, on Twitter, which is okay, the yeah. most toxic platform. Yeah. But then I kind of, like, try to neutralise it with Instagram, which is also toxic, but, like, visually so. Like, it's different. Yeah. It's not words. It's kind of just pictures of people that are quite... I suppose toxic, but don't really affect you me. You just feel inadequate rather than wanting yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Hurt rather someone. than sending death threats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jen so, says three yeah. minutes on Instagram makes her feel like a slug. Yeah. <laughs> Kardashian yeah. wormhole. Exactly that. Yeah. But yeah, that's why. That's why pretty much my morning routine. Mickey, are you a phone person? Um, I used to be because I used it as my alarm clock, but then with getting a partner after a long, long, long time of being single and he gets up a good two and a half hours before I want anyone to say anything to me ever. So it's fun for him. And his alarm would go off and I would just be so crotchety. So I bought for Christmas, I bought him a present. For me. And it's one of those that starts like the, the sunrise alarm thing and the birds start tweeting and it's, it's really nice. And then Gary gets up and leaves the room and my plan is to go back to sleep. But I tend to be awake. But it means that I've started leaving my phone downstairs because I don't need it as an mm. alarm. And as Yomi has admitted, she's a bad person. I am. Because she, she looks at her phone. <laughs> I mean, my name does mean underworld sometimes. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. I forgot. I exactly, had to be careful 50%. about that. Um, but yeah, I would, I would usually have just gone to it and then you start looking at emails was the first thing I would go for. I'd look at, I'd look at work stuff. So I'm a slightly better bad person than you. <laughs> See, I mean. But you I look at something. I don't know that it does make you a bad person because if you get up and you look on Twitter, I mean, that could literally be interacting with your friends, which is not a bad thing. It could be keeping abreast of the news. That is not a bad but thing. But never is those things. No, I mean, if you're trolling someone, they get up in the yeah. morning to tell someone they look bad in a photo. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't. But I wake up, I call three people a cunt, get on with my day. <laughs> I've had words with you about that. <laughs> but it's so much fun. So now I actually just get woken up by the cat now, and so I feed him, give him a bit of a, bit of a rub, and then call people a cunt. This table looks a bit like a cat has been on it. Yeah, it does. Across the across. There is a lot of cat hair. I think that's me. I, laid, I rolled it up. Me. I'm sorry. Okay. I bought an alarm clock to try and avoid looking at my phone, like, 
basically, I just I became illiterate. I stopped reading. <laughs> I just like because it's a lot easier to like twat around on Twitter and Facebook and whatever um, into the wee small hours. So I was doing that, and I decided uh, enough was enough. So I bought an alarm clock so that I could leave my phone in the other room, uh, and then I just yeah just uh, started just taking my phone back into my bedroom again and do exactly <laughs> the same thing. So uh, yeah. Yes, Hannah. In, in answer to your question, yes, I am a phone first thing. All of us guilty as charged, I suppose. Um, um, used to be. I've uh, mended my ways. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, just... There's no need to show off. <laughs> There's every need to show off. But I'm, I'm going to stop bigging myself up and ask another question. And I would like to know, and I'm going to start with Tanya Lee, what surprises people about you the most? What aren't they expecting? Oh, well, we don't have enough time for all of this. <laughs> when you're three I foot six and you're a Canadian dwarf in the UK, nobody expects you to be out on your own, uh, let alone... I've, uh, I've been horseback riding, I've been scuba diving three times, I've parasailed, I've been to, I don't know, 18 different countries around the world, mostly by myself. I worked in a men's prison for three years with murderers. Uh, counseling. I have a sociology criminology degree, so that's why I worked with murderers. Tried to ca- a little late for counseling. They're already in prison. <laughs> hey, stop killing people! <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, there's a, there's a lot. Just I think uh, you know, as a little person and as a disabled person, if you want to go therapy, I, I find specifically here in the UK, very people very much underestimate my abilities, and uh, it's very frustrating. So it's a constant battle of trying to prove people wrong. I bet you get the better of people, though, because you confound their expectations. Well, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, I mean, from the moment I was born, the doctor freaked out and told my parents I wasn't going to make it through the night. Then they're like, she's not going to make it through the week. She'll probably have a short lifespan. I'm coming up on 49, so I think I'm doing okay. You know, it's just, a, it's, it, that's just, I think, my personality. I'm just one to, if you can't tell, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it tenfold you know I just if you go right I'm gonna go left and just give it hard that's just what I do so you know uh, it inspires some people which is great but that's just who I am and I, I got if I see something like right now with living in the UK and uh, I'm gonna be doing a TED talk in in November about this actually just my experiences traveling around the UK as a foreigner as a disabled person living in this in this country and just basically all the train drama and and stuff that I deal with on public transportation and you know it it came to light about a year ago if you want to go down the rabbit hole of the internet and look up ginger dwarf and trains you'll be there for days <laughs> um, with all my trials and tribulations so basically you know I became this uh, campaigner for people on public transport and the media got on board and was like oh look at all the problems Tanya Lee's had we're going we're gonna to fight we're going to do all these great things basically they put me out there and said Tanya Lee's going to be doing this and this and this for us and it's been over a year now and I've done nothing like they put me out there saying I'm doing all these, and then like the disabled persons. I think we talked about it this on the podcast. Um, I was supposed to be trying trialing a new app for disabled people to help them book assistance. That doesn't even exist. It hasn't come out yet. I was supposed to see the brand new trains with Greater Anglia. They've been out for two months. I only just got on the new train today, just because I happen to be going through Cambridge. Um, But so it's just all these. It's weird that you know when I was upset and crying on videos about being on the train, they were like, "Oh, look, look." put her out there, look at all the bad things we're doing, but they don't want to solve any problems. They just want to sensationalize the problems but not solve them. And that's kind of where I have now, you know, digging my feet and I'm like, okay, no more nice gal. Like, I'm, I'm pissed off and I, I'm not, I don't live in, I live in this country but I, you know, I'm not from here so I've seen the other side. I'm out of the bubble and things can be better and we just have to work together. Well, I think the problem with the media is there's just so much happening that there's always... I mean, unlike trains, there is always another one coming along in a minute, another <laughs> news story. And therefore, you know, that yeah. is great. When you're upset and yeah. angry, that's, that's great copy. But when you're, yeah. you know... When you're actually trying to then come and go, okay, uh, you put me in this position, but now I'm coming from a position of strength. If you're coming from a position of weakness, they love that shit. They want to eat it up. But as soon as you come from, okay, let's solve the problem and let's actually work together, and then they're like, well, that doesn't make for a good story, though. Like, yeah. we just, yeah, well, well, we'll just tell people we're doing things, these things, but we're not actually. In another 10 years, when we get the next, you know, yeah. I got the, the, the transportation thing from 2010 and said, here, we've got this budget to do all these massive changes to 2020. Well, now they just came up with a 2020 to 2030, and it's exact 
exactly the same thing, just change the date. We just have another 10 years to do the shit that we keep promising people, but we're not going to deliver. Yeah, it's just, ah, does my head in. But I think I'm the right person to kind of put this out and... I hope so anyway. Yeah, definitely. And luckily, Parliament are working 24... (laughs) (laughs) Check my notes there. (laughs) Yummy, what surprises people about you? Is it what's in that mug? (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah, this is filled to the brim with red wine, actually. Um, It's just a very classy way of sort of hiding my alcohol addiction. I'm joking. Um, Yeah, I guess, first of all, honestly, that I'm an author... And that I'm a journalist. I swear to God, anytime I sort of go out in my... Um, I mean, to be honest, all the, most of the clubs in Croydon have been shut down, actually, um, very tragically. So when I'm out in, like, a predominantly sort of black, um, you know, club and people ask me what I do, I tend to just make it up because anytime I sort of say, oh, I'm a journalist or I'm an author, it's like, no, you're fucking not. Like, people are absolutely, like... It's that thing, it's that dentist thing. So I'm like, see, I'm not the only bad person. Like, everyone internalizes it because when I'm like, oh, I'm a journalist, like, or I'm the women's columnist at the Guardian. It's like, no, you're not. Like, I don't know. I know I don't look like what people think that would look like. I don't dance like what people think that would look like, <laughs> which is very well, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think people are always really kind of like, and that's people of all backgrounds are just super like surprised when I say what I do for a job. Um, what, do, what do you tell them instead? I used to say, oh my God, I've said a, like a million different things. A million different things. I'm like, I work for my dad. Like, I'm like, oh, I work. I, I used to say that I was, um, I can't even remember this really. Oh, because I studied law. It's weird. It's almost more believable that I'm a lawyer than um, I'm a journalist. Because when I was at university, I studied law and there were loads of aspirational young British Nigerians that whose parents had all essentially forced them to study law because it was kind of like, this is going to be um, the thing that, helps you make loads of money mm-hmm. um so being like i'm a lawyer or, and i'm or i'm an engineer actually was kind of more believable i know it's very strange yeah, isn't it is or like i'm a doctor not that that was particularly immediately believable either but it made more sense to being a journalist because a journal like journalism is kind of that thing where it's like i have the money and the familial connections to be able to not be paid for 47 weeks and like just do loads of unpaid internships so um you know i think there's a immediate kind of class thing with journalism whereas with law it's kind of and like working in like canary wolf it's a bit more like there are quite a few black or minority ethnic um people that have kind of just gone into those professions because you know it's kind of like seen as you know this is something that's going to make you loads of money and it's almost like i wouldn't say a colorblind industry but if you work really hard you can do really well whereas journalism really is is your dad Rupert Murdoch? If not, oh. you're probably not going to do very well. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So yeah, um, journalism. And I think also the second thing people are like always really confused by is that I think because of my job and because I spend so much time moaning, people think I'm a lot more harsh than I am. So like they think I'm going to be like, did your mum vote for Brexit? Cancel your mum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never speak to her again. Where I'm like, mate, my parents are just bonkers and just totally kind of like removed from loads of things. And they need a lot of like educating in terms of I'm like do not cancel your mum do not cancel your like best friend it's kind of like try to educate because I think the idea of educating like random racist white men on the tube is you know I don't have time for that but like my mum who I love and like basically gave well not basically actually gave birth to me yeah I do have a bit more time for trying to like you know make sure that she actually responds to things in the correct way I think people think I'm a lot less forgiving than I am but I do have time for people learning because I was an absolute shit show like probably like up to five years ago I was completely ignorant of everything so um I do have time for people kind of learning but people really like intimidated and being like can I call you black and I'm like yes you can like don't worry there are people I don't know I just have more time for people learning because I'm always like I didn't wake up woke for like a Better phrase, but people assume I like came out of the womb being like, that's a microaggression. I'm like, I didn't. I learned about it actually after some time. I was actually very problematic myself up to like 15 minutes ago. So yeah. I, I do like that Yomi has got the perfect outfit for if she does want to chastise someone. <laughs> Could you just, just stand up and oh, show God. people your knees? Oh. I mean, I don't even like dogs, so I don't know why I've got these knees, but um, look at me. Can you see the little dogs on them? Imagine they being... don't fit me. I had to get them taken out, but they were so cheap and um, they were so cute that I was like, I'm going to buy them. But yeah. like, she draws people in with the dog knees and then just goes, right, 
Um, we've got some schooling <laughs> that we're going to do now. Exactly that. I love that. I love that. Hannah, what surprises people about you? Yeah, I think people think that I'm um, nicer than I actually am <laughs> quite a lot. Uh, people think that I'm quite friendly because I can be and I can be social and I can be gregarious and I can be all those things. But I can also be, oh, just fuck off. I want to sit here by myself. <laughs> And I am deeply antisocial, which even people who know me very well will go, no, that's not true. And you're like, do you know what I did this weekend? Sat and watched Netflix and didn't talk to anyone, and it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Jen? Um, I think, uh, weirdly, not everyone, uh, I'm linking this back to certain dating scenarios, I think men are surprised that I have opinions. No, genuinely, I think, like, honestly, they, they all argue quite, quite vociferously. Jen, I have me. never been surprised when you've had an opinion, mate. No, like, <laughs> men who I go on dates with, like, you know, random internet dates, they're surprised when I have opinions. They're genuinely surprised. And then afterwards, they're like, can we go out again? And it's like, oh, my God. What date did you just go on? Because I'm sure I wasn't on it. Cause <laughs> Is that not assu- fun? I don't know that that's an assumption about you. That seems to be a really sad assumption that a woman won't have an opinion. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, that is something that I feel like I experience more often than I would like to. Mick? So, it's going to sound like I'm giving myself a well-good pat on the back, but just bear with me, guys. I, I think people are surprised by my age... Like, I get told that I look younger than my age quite a lot. And I, I think society think it's a polite thing to do, that whenever anyone... Yeah. And, you know, I'm not surprised that you're sometimes, like, what you just described. But, like, that, the society seems to think that if someone tells you their age, a polite thing to do is go, oh, no. So I, and I've sort of bought into it for so long... But, you know, I'd dye my hair. If I didn't wear makeup, I would look a lot older. But just... It doesn't matter, and I think it's that whole... It ties into the fact that it's surprising to society that women get older. Mm. And as Jen is having a birthday, we can testify it fucking happens. Um, But, yeah, I think it has been a a surprising thing that I've seen as a compliment before, and now I'm just a bit more like, no, this is just what, you know, what my age looks like on me, and it's what their age looks like on them. That's interesting, because people will say... Thanks, mate. When I say to to people that my hair is grey, and it has been since I was, like, in my 20s, and they'll say, oh, they look kind of slightly disbelieving. And you're like, well, I mean, obviously, I cover it up. Mm. I think I actually dye my hair every two to three weeks because I want different hair colour. Or do you think it's because the one pace of vanity that I have in my life is that I don't want grey hair. Yeah, that is your bona fide one bit of vanity that I ever see from a Dunleavy is the hair thing. Look at photos of me on the internet. I have no vanity whatsoever, (laughs) but I really, really hate. I don't think I'd even mind grey hair. I just don't like... Oh, the badger stripe. That bit there. That's it. Yeah, I can't bear. That's it. And it wasn't the question, but the one thing I would change is to ever start dyeing my hair. But I start going grey at 16. Who wants to be grey at 16? Mm. I'm embracing mine. I've now gone... They, I went into the salon for the first time, and I'm, I'm getting the, the natural mm. uh, highlights put in, like my, my white, essentially, so I'm fading down. I'm going for it. Good on you. Because yeah. you used to have hair I similar to colour to Hannah's. I'm 50 in another year, so mm. I figured, fuck it. Go for it. I, you know, look at the tits on the five-year-old, but she's got right here. Wow. <laughs> Jen, do you have a question? I do. Um, so I would like to know, if you could offer any advice to your younger self, what would it be? And I'm going to start with you, Yomi. Oh, God. I mean, it's going to sound super vain, but it was just... I had such terrible sartorial decisions, <laughs> such bad hair. Like, a mass, like literally, I just remember this massive um, synthetic fringe that I'm just like, please don't do that. It's going to give you massive, like, forehead spots. And, yeah, I think mine was more, as I said, like, you know, I really wish I could be quite deep with it, but it was far more fashion-based because I remember, like, there was a big trend in Croydon to sort of, oh, God, get um, old tights and then glue, like, a synthetic fringe to the tights and wear it around like that. And I did that a lot, and it gave me really bad skin. 
for about the two to three years I did it and I would be like Yomi don't do that because you're gonna get spots and then you're gonna pick those spots and then you're gonna be left with marks from those spots forever but I think to be honest 15 16 year old Yomi was better than 27 year old Yomi if I'm being completely honest like she didn't give a shit what anyone thought she was totally kind of I mean she was really ignorant and like problematic but you know like I think yeah she tried her best so I think I'd probably just tell her keep doing what you're doing and just don't attach synthetic hair to tights and wear it around your head that's probably the only thing I'd have told her because I look at myself now and I'm like if I hadn't have been such a you know I don't know unapologetically like strange teenager that was quite open to different things and being wrong then I probably wouldn't be where I am now to be honest um wherever the fuck that is I mean I still live at home so (laughs) but yeah don't glue tights to your head. Exactly. exactly. The most niche I mean, it's not very profound, but it's quite specific because <laughs> yeah. I have the marks to show. I've got the stripes to show for it because it really did mess when up you, my skin. When you started that about gluing things to tights, I genuinely thought we were going on a sort of like ice skating dances. <laughs> like, oh, if only, like if only. Yeah, no, it was. Gluing. I was a very um, messy teenager, but yeah, I think honestly, I I know it's not. I'm kind of doing a you now. I'm like, I'm just fantastic. Like, I was just, I was just, I really did like myself. <laughs> I did like teenage me. And I think teenage me did have a lot. There's a lot I could learn from her and just in terms of not caring as much because now it's like, I'm like uploading pictures to Instagram and I'm like, shit, like I can see like a, a hair follicle on my armpit. I'm like, oh, should I not upload that? Whereas like 15 year old me would have been like, Blue up to a pair of tights, get it on your head. Yeah, exactly. Do your thing. So yeah, I think it would have been that. Tanya Lee, what about you? Well, um, I would tell myself that driving a car was probably not in the cards for me. I inherited my grandparents' car when I was 16 years old, and I got like a driving permit. And my best friend, who was six foot three, was able to. Um, be in the passenger seat. I was not a licensed driver. I had my learner's permit. And um, I used to manage all the boys' sports teams because I couldn't physically play the sports, but I wanted to be involved, and so I managed all the boys' sports teams because that was a way to get in there with the boys. And um, my friend Aaron, we were leaving uh, volleyball practice, and I sort of peeled out of the parking lot, lost control, and drove my car into the side of the high school and basically this gigantic, like, if you can imagine, an old-style American Cadillac. It was kind of that size, turned into, like, a Fiat. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was not a good thing. I never did get my driver's license after that point, but that was... <laughs> you know. And basically, it's just as far as being a person. I didn't really come out of my... I started doing stand-up comedy when I was 19. So that's when I felt I really came out of my shell. I went to a very uh, sort of uh, cliquey high school, and, you know, if you weren't wearing designer clothes, you didn't really fit in, and I didn't, you know, I had somebody making me my jeans, and she'd cut Jordache labels off other jeans and then sew them on my jeans just to make me look like I was fitting in. But, um, you know, not to focus on that sort of stuff, and, um, you know, that I think my confidence came when I started doing stand-up, and that's when I realize that my physicality and also the way I presented myself on stage when we were talking about what people uh, you know uh, don't you know expect from you and I noticed when I first started coming out on stage I used to stand on a chair and I would do my set but when I started dressing differently I used to wear jeans and I used to uh, wear tops with my boobs hanging out kind of thing and and people didn't expect me to talk about uh, how good I felt physically because they can't imagine, you know, being comfortable in a, in a disabled body or a deformed body. And, but if I would have told myself at a younger age that now looking back, thanks to J-Lo and her fat ass and the Kardashians with their fat asses, it's become a great thing to have a fat ass, so I was way ahead of the curve. Yay for me. Um, you know, that having a big book, because when I was younger, all the boys used to come up to me and say, tornado, hold on to something heavy, and then they grab my bum. So as a child, that was tormenting, but then as a teenager, I was like, hey, tornado, who wants to grab my ass? But uh, <laughs> it didn't work so well back then. But um, yeah, just the fact that like, you know, body confidence and stuff like that, when you feel like you're the only person alone, especially as a girl growing up and the boys, or I was always in the friend zone, that stuff, uh, just telling myself that, you know, just wait it out, your time will come, you'll meet uh, some amazing men in your life that will, uh, you know give you the strength and the courage and you have the own inner strength, basically. 
a My nickname answer. when I was growing up was uh, Fat Ass. Literally, that is what my brother's friends all called me. They just called me Fat Ass. So uh, thanks, Michael and Michael's friends, you pricks. Um, who's <laughs> laughing now? Uh, <laughs> okay, so what, what would you tell your younger self, Jen? Um, stop writing lyrics to songs. They're shit, and you'll be really embarrassed when you read them in your 30s. But I do have a book of Jen's lyrics with me today. I don't. That would be great, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. Well, they love songs. Yeah. <laughs> Did you make up dance routines for them? No. Look at you. That would be too far. That too was far. way too much. Yeah. Way too this much. is like the uh, the blacked out bit of Operation Yellowhammer. I, I can't. I can't imagine that they would be worse than what I'm imagining. But somehow I know they oh, probably they are. are. They really are. <laughs> Isn't the whole of Operation Yellowhammer just blacked out? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, Hannah, what about you? I'm gonna. I'm stealing Jen's question, but what about you? What would I tell my younger self? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, absolutely nothing, because younger me would not have listened to <laughs> anyone at all. I mean, literally, probably the most sensible thing I could say is don't start smoking, but loads of people actually said that to me, and I didn't pay them <laughs> any fucking attention. Finish university. <laughs> you know, maybe open a bank account that you put £10 a month in and just never spend it, and no... Learn, learn how to use a computer properly and understand how new technology works. You know, people said that to me and I was just like, no, I want to be cool and be a comedian. It's like, oh, I don't want to do stupid stuff like that. So, no, she's on her own. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty wise now. It's only taken... It's only taken 45 years. Yeah. Seems like a fair apprenticeship. Yeah. <laughs> I would say if you are ever, this is a little bit serious, but if you're ever looking in the mirror and crying and convincing yourself of reasons to stay, just fucking leave. Um, mm. That would be my advice. Um, so thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed all the comedy. Uh, no, <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a downer note. Tanya Lee, are you touring? Hello. Uh, I'm going to Belgium on Tuesday. Come to Belgium. Uh, Simon, if you're listening. I'm currently writing a new tour show, which will be starting uh, touring in February. So keep an eye. So yeah, I'm all over the internet. You can find me. Where can we find you without writing Ginger Dwarf Scooter? TanyaLeeDavis.com. Twat me, Dwarf Diva on Instagram. Yeah, awesome. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yummy. Um, what are you up to? So we just released a companion book to our first book called Slaying Elaine the Black Girl Bible. We've got a journal piece, which is not piece, book, that's slightly more interactive. And um, yeah, um, essentially, I'm not going to lie, it's for black women and by black women. But if you want to give us some money <laughs> and you're not a black woman, feel free. Absolutely. I've, but yeah. Slaying Elaine is amazing. And Thank I think you. there's a lot of value in people Absolutely. who are not black. I mean, I have to well, say that so. so that I can get some money. No, I'm <laughs> no, but seriously, I feel like anyone can absolutely read it. But the journal obviously is a bit more practical. But um, yeah, I think we're just going to keep um, writing things about the black female experience um, in this country. And if anybody else wants to join in, that's absolutely fine. But we're not going to apologise for it being for who it is. No, please don't. And Thank is you. there an, another book in the offing? Is there more writing yes. happening? Oh. We've got an anthology coming out which has 21 black British... See, back, back there again. What <laughs> black about British. the white women? Black you're <laughs> You know, we've, we've had that complaint so many in. times. And we're like, go and read Lean In. Go and read Thrive Better in Athenson. Just go read anything else. Um, but yeah, um, we have an anthology which is going to um, speak to 21 black British female authors. Um, and they're going to write essays about what it is to be a black British woman today. And yeah, as I said, feel free to support. It's probably not going to be speaking to most people in this room. But feel free. I mean, in the same way I enjoyed... Harry Potter, which had absolutely fuck all to do with me. I'm yeah. sure you're enjoying Sure, it. you're totally a wizard. <laughs> I'm not a white male wizard with a scar on her <laughs> Despite the fringe. <laughs> Despite the fringe, which gave me a scar. And where can people find you on the internet, Superhighway? Oh, I, Slaying Your Lane literally is everything just at Slaying Your Lane. Um, on Instagram, on Twitter, and then on Facebook also. And we own slayingyourlane.co.uk and .com just to stop pesky Americans from I was say, do you now our... own that message by the way mm, the BBC tried to steal it once yes. um, but loads of black women were like no you fucking don't <laughs> so, so yeah I think we still we, I think we still own it but um, yeah um, I mean I guess 
technically, if we can come against the BBC and still own it, then I guess it's bloody ours, isn't it? Absolutely. Thank you. Hannah, Jen, anything you want to plug? Um, Well, Standard Issue Podcast. We do live shows. We're here usually. Not quite like this. We're usually more more of the questions, less of the talking about Boris. But the next time we're here is October the 4th at 7 p.m. I love this. She just looks... She's kind of... (laughs) And we have guests. We have only got one guest announced so far, which is the larger-than-life Alison Hammond, who I think will be amazing. And we've got another guest that we are soon to announce. And, yeah, go, go, go to our website. Oh, God, I'm doing well at this. <laughs> go to our website, uh, com. She can still work with us. It's all good. Yay. That's it. Thank you very, very much for coming and being a splendid audience. You are small but perfectly formed, and we appreciate that. And please join me in thanking our guests, Tanya Lee Davis, Yumi Odegaki, and we've been standing this year, Hannah Levy, birthday girl Jen Offred, and me, Nikki Newman. Thank you. That was fun. And now we're going to do an exit as smooth as our entrance. Standard Issue for All Women.